In a universe where life does not end at death, we explore the infinite possibilities forged by our very minds. Welcome to our Theodian Anthologies. Greetings, fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to the Arthadian Anthologies podcast, where I, MS Arthadian, dive into the ever-expanding universe I'm developing and the deeper meaning behind it all. Exploring the Seven Realms is an exhilarating experience, one that poses great challenges and mystical phenomena that range from rational understanding to sheer phantasmal realizations. There are those few, however, that reach a level of understanding through the veil of celestial constructions all the way down to the slight vibrations of shifting reality. An understanding of such is best left in the hands of those who can be trusted with such knowledge. This brings us to the highest order of the realms, what you may know as the Rune Forgers. This order is unlike other orders of powerful practitioners. You may see them as my version of Jedi Knights from the Star Wars galaxy. However, there's a layer of nuance that stems with Rune Forgers. Their entire belief coincides with the understanding of energy and how it flows. If you wish to attempt to grasp onto a Rune Forger's knowledge of how energy flows, you can check out the Flowdisk Codex entry at ArthadianAnthologies.com. As for the Rune Forgers, their entire network stems from the regal entities themselves. The first ever Rune Forger was created by each of the seven regals. And with that came the birth of the Endowed, a being who only the Runa Council speaks to. When born, the Regals gave the Endowed a primary directive, to protect all seven realms from greater threats inside and out. It has the ability to see all reality in energy levels, and flows with all eight pure energies. This means it is a self-sustaining creation and can never truly die unless the core died along with it. From this... The Endowed was intelligent enough to know that its power alone could not ward off a threat of such magnitude. Therefore, it used its abilities to randomly select sentient life forms across the realms to have an affinity towards all energy types to some extent. What limited these random creatures was how much output they could extend into reality. Think of the material body and surrounding elements that are within an individual's senses. For one to manifest or manipulate said surroundings, they must use their own matter to conduct energy and disperse it out into reality. This is explained in detail in the Flow Disk Codex entry, so I won't go too far here. The reason I bring this up, though, is that Rune Forgers are not the endowed. Instead, they utilize the meaning behind each energy to store it in their own physical manifestations. This is where runes come into play. When I say rune forgers utilize meaning, it is through each rune that energy is represented. To those who are not adept with power forms, this concept is foreign to them. But for those who study the runic arts, it is much like the words of God, passing their knowledge down to mortals. For an apprentice forger, they train within the runic core as well as the runic seminary in Vosador. You may remember me referencing this location in Entry 22. Well, now I'll dive a little deeper into it. At the turn of the reset, Runeforgers were able to maintain their understanding of where they came from without suffering too much. This helped them pave a way to solving issues across not just the pillars, but the realms as well. Still, while this was happening, the Forger Order needed to continue their growth, 
It was around cycle 16 that the council realized it was time for their expanse as well, much smaller in scale than that of Corps Command, but definitely worth their time and effort. The three council members that made this happen were Master Forgers, Amelia Celeste, Asma Leniz, and Ariel Soar. Their goal was to build a place amongst the pillars where children could learn to harness energy in a safe environment and learn deeper truths about the realms. They knew this would seem like a challenge against the Arcus Academy on Archaea, but at this time the Archaean conflict was growing worse, which distracted the Majin Castell from pillar matters. And with the Sidorian Senate being the central leadership on the pillars as well as the Command Acolyte Assembly, the Council believed if an academy for runeforging were created, it would have to be located there. Thus, construction on the first runic seminary commenced. It took approximately four arrays to finish building, but once assembled, the council members began their hunt for runeforgers amongst their order, who were in line to become new masters. It took around three more months for the masters to finally make their home on the harbor instead of the runic core. But through this expansion into the pillars, the runeforgers were able to further develop their teachings as well as forge many new protectors for the realms. As for the runic seminary itself, it allows for apprentice forgers to have a first look at what it is they're protecting. They are taught to be observant, open, and kind to all citizens of the pillars. The seminary, in their view, is their second home, and for an apprentice who begins their training at the seminary. It is a precious feeling as they have a direct access to their families, as well as work alongside the command officers of Branch 1. Many forgers in the past did not have this privilege, as their training took place within the Runicor and in the vastness of space. Through these two locations being the prominent molding of new runeforgers, those that succeed in their pursuits to become energy protectors harbor differing traits if they are to train in the seminary instead of Orbital 1. At the seminary, apprentices are trained to perceive energy through their interactions with everyday citizens. This gives them a more interpersonal connection to those they serve. Orbital 1 apprentices, on the other hand, are trained through the detection of energy anomalies that come from inside and beyond the realms. This makes them less able to connect on an interpersonal level, but their detection skills are more superior to that of a seminary forger. When training to become a rune forger, it all depends on the master that takes you on as their apprentice, each master being an expert in their own ways. There are three types of masters, an apprentice can be assigned to. The first type are the seminary masters. Although they are new to being experts at runeforging, their shared drive to bring in greater forgers into the realms does not go unnoticed. Masters like forgers Armil C9 and Ranzim Ulantis are the pinnacle of seminary forgers. Although all forgers are under the same umbrella, the different areas that they became masters in change their outlook on how a runeforger should be seen. Our mill being a cron pursues the advancement of runeforgers beyond their current limits. She helped make the runic straps into more than just an iconic piece of gear. The strap symbolizes a forger's status and rank, but with the tweaks our mill implemented, now when a rune is attached, the strap can recharge them with ease. This is all thanks to the influx tech and the innovative spirit our mill has shown. Then we have Ranzim who is an Archaean from the Huvero Empire. Born and bred to be a mage warrior, 
Ransom never believed our kind conflict would result in any good. Therefore, he utilized his talents elsewhere, which brought him to the seminary. He quickly became prominent in the ways of elemental runes, this being denominations from the magic rune, just more potent. The two of them and several others together have been able to train their apprentices in ways that work in tangent with the Alliance factions. These include command squadrons that are assigned to them, along with an archivist that aid in research of all kinds. In conclusion, seminary forages tend to work best on the ground of the worlds they protect, focusing on making small impacts on the societies at large. The second type are the forgers of the runic core, or as they refer to themselves, orbital forgers. Now these titles aren't widely used, they are more so a way to distinguish between students from the different academies. When around an orbital forger, however, they are determined to discover and face off against energy anomalies of all kinds. Amongst them, there are those that seek to discover different avenues a forger can develop their senses in order to better assimilate into random environments. This helps them to adapt quickly to slight changes in chaotic scenarios. It also allows for them to venture out on their own and fend for themselves. Though, they are still assigned command squadrons as a way to teach them to be a leader in the field. Two notable orbital forgers are master forgers Thadian Sor and Ravel Quetel. Thadian being the son of runeforging master Ariel Sor, as well as the elite plasmatic knight William Sor. Becoming a master around cycle 36, Thadian demonstrated to the Runic Council a new set of Runic abilities that have allowed new forgers to better prepare themselves at a moment's notice. These abilities are known as the Thadian Arc Runes, and only apprentices of Thadian have been able to successfully forge Arc Runes. In the next entry, I plan on exploring these Arc Runes a bit more, but for now, we move on to the Master Forger Kratel. Around Cycle 62 is when Ravel Kratel came into the Order, as an extremely gifted energy practitioner. He quickly stole the spotlight as the Runeforger's finest, being nominated to be a Master after only four months of training. His own master, however, was not very enthusiastic about his nomination. He believed that receiving as much attention as he did expanded his ego. This did not stop him from going off on his own. After all, when any forger is nominated to become a master, they, in turn, become a full-fledged runeforger. His master, actually being Thadian Sor, attempted to reason with Ravel on why he shouldn't be a master just yet that there is more to learn about runeforging than just being a gifted student. Ravel did not quite see Thadian's point and instead sought to claim the title of master by embarking on a perilous journey into the Dark Void. Before he could go, though, he had to ask permission from the Council. What confused Thadian was that the Dark Void was considered a forbidden place due to its power to consume even the strongest wills. Even so, the council allowed Ravel to go, and Thadian's mother being the deciding vote. Upon confronting her, Ariel told Thadian, There are times where a pupil needs to show what they are capable of, and this is one of those times, Thade. The only reason why I voted yes on this directive is because your apprentice seeks to prove himself, not only to you, but to himself. Plus, on the back end of our vote, when Forger Kratel left, we put together a squadron to assist Kratel in case anything were to happen. 
He will be safe. You have my word. Even with that, Thedin was still skeptical and did not wish to see his apprentice hurt. But it was right before Ravel departed that he went to see his master for parting words. Master, may I request something from you? Ravel, of course. You know you can come to me for anything. Yes, master, I know. I also know that you do not believe my directive to the Dark Void is wise, and this is understandable. So I was wondering if you could accompany me on this journey. Shocked by this request, Thadian stopped what he was doing and smiled at his apprentice. Ravel continued, Master Forgers believe me to be the best fit for scouting the Dark Void. But to be absolutely honest, when I first came to the Renacor, I thought that you would be the best suited for this task. After all, you are the Arkarun Master. If anyone could face the Voidwalkers, it would be you. Thadian approached his apprentice and placed his hand on his shoulder. Ravel, I appreciate you saying that, and I am honored that you would ask me to tag along. He paused for a moment, thinking about his decision and what his mother told him. I am going to have to decline, though. Oh? May I ask why, Master? Don't you still think I'm not ready for this? Yes, this is true. However, my last lesson to teach you will be found out there. When you face darkness and return back, as one of the greatest forgers in our time. At that point, you will not only be my equal, but I believe I will be calling upon you to assist me. This meeting brought the two of them closer than ever before, and once Forger Kratel left, Thadian received constant updates from the council. For over four cycles, Kratel was gone. There were periods where he was unreachable, but would be seen after a few weeks or months had passed at a time. After a cycle went by, they knew that once Ravel would return, he would be considered a master. If not in the order, he would be a master in his eyes. Then, by cycle 68, Forger Critel returned and brought back vital information that had allowed the Runeforgeries to begin preparations. A Voidwalker deep within the confines of consumption has been plotting an uprising, and that is in the early stages of this plot. Kratel became a master after retrieving this info, and now aims to become the next Enercor when the time comes. As for the last type of forger, there are the Exemplar Forgers, who are trained by the Runic Council Masters. There are very few of these types of forgers, this is due to a new ruling that council members may only take on five apprentices in the span of a century. Exemplar forgers are considered the pinnacle of what a runeforger can become as they are trained by the very best of the order. However, once becoming a master themselves, they rarely take apprentices as well. Instead, they serve the order as guards and sentries for the runicor as well as the pillars, colonies, and many worlds where they find themselves. There's no real notable exemplars except for Master Forger Ariel Sor, who actually trained under Master Forger Iman Orkelman. Other than that, exemplars tend to be the next in line to becoming council members, since they are groomed by them. In the end, 
Runeforgers are considered the highest order, not just because of their powers over the energies, but because those few who have been randomly selected have shown themselves to be the beacons to make the core shine brighter than the darkness within. That darkness could be within them, as the void permeates all souls with a capacity for corruption. Even so, without the order watching over the realms, there would be no unification that could bring the differing laws of reality together. This is what makes being a runeforger something to hold true. I thank you for listening to this entry. As I said before, the next entry will dive into Thadian Sore and his Arc Runes. Once again, if you'd like to support my work, there are a few ways you can donate. You can check out subscribestar.com slash anthologies. You can also support this podcast through leaving a tip on Anchor. There should be a link in the description of this episode. But in the end, the best way you can support my work is through joining arthadiananthologies.com and sharing it with your friends for new ways to entertain themselves and immerse themselves. Until then, thank you again for your support. Be safe. Stay safe. And if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power.